Hey, hey, friends, and welcome to World Domination. I'm your host, Monica Ferguson, and you are in the perfect place to learn how to grow, how to become an even more amazing version of you, and to connect into a community of like-minded people who are all walking this path and aren't afraid to share the highs and the lows of chasing your dreams. I'm so glad you're here with us. Now let's get into this week's episode. Hey, hey, beautiful people, Monica Ferguson here, and welcome back to the latest episode of World Domination. Now, for May, it is a mental health awareness month, and so I thought, who better to get in than the big guns? His name is Kieran Headley. He's an anxiety coach and a student of medical neuroscience. He has a podcast called The Pocket Coach as well, where you can go to learn more about this stuff, and you can find him on Instagram at Coach Kezza. K-E-Z-Z-A. Now, this podcast was incredible because it comes it comes from A, that embodiment, that lived experience. Both of us were able to share a lot of our own mental health journey and things that we've learned and what we've grown through and you know, things that we ourselves do to keep ourselves well. Because I think a lot of us have been through this stuff, right? And so it's been so cool to have that conversation. And also holistically right with actual practical tools and steps and Karen is a phenomenal fountain of knowledge and so I know you guys are going to get so much out of this please let me know what your biggest takeaway was and without further ado let me bring him in coach I want to say Keza do I call you Keza or Karen I'm still deciding let's go Ah, with Karen for now yeah good morning thank you so much for coming on Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, it is so interesting the stuff that's coming through this morning. So, like I was saying to you before, I always just come in with an open mind, and then this morning I was like, oh my gosh, I've got an actual neuroscientist here. Ask some uh, questions, yeah. man. I'm just gonna stop you there for a second because um, neuroscientist. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely not a neuroscientist per se. Um, but um, um, I study neuroscience, so it's yeah. interesting in the um it's a little bit different from how one would label themselves a spiritual rat. So like you're spiritual, you're not, um, I guess everyone is spiritual to some degree. It's just whether they realize it or not. However, um, with science, it's like there's a certain degree where one will get to before they become a quote unquote scientist. Um, So for me to be a neuroscientist, um, there would be a PhD next to the name there. Um, But yeah, that's, that's a possibility for sometime in the future, maybe, but yeah, for now I'm just uh, yeah, student. Yeah, but thank you. Got it. I appreciate it. Got it. Yeah. Hi, that's mm. how I see you in my eyes, all right. Yeah, but noted. I appreciate that. Noted. Thank you. <laughs> um, so I would love because we're speaking in May Mental Health Awareness Month, and that's going to be the focus of this conversation. I would love to hear about your interest, like where your interest began in mental health, where your experience of it being a thing even came into mm. your life. Would you be able to share some of that? Yeah, totally. So, um. Depression really came into my life uh, from the get-go in middle school, really. Um, I didn't recognize what it was, honestly, obviously. Um, you know, no one that age really usually does. Um, and as depression started to manifest more and more, I really shied into my shell. It was a transference of going from a primary school to an intermediate, like a school where I was going for intermediate. And um, at this school, for anyone out there that is in Auckland, it's Kristen School. So I'm very, very lucky to have a, um, a family that was able to send me there. Very, very lucky. Um, so by no means were my conditions poor. By no means were my conditions 
um, presenting any means for me to be depressed or anxious, which came in much later. Um, and it was really interesting to be in that space and not have any practical reason that I could put my finger on why I was feeling so sad every day, why I had to pump myself up with push-ups and reggae music every morning, why I had to um, hide away on the bus every morning watching Lord of the Rings on my laptop because I didn't want to talk to you on and it's like hiding in the corner. Um, yeah. Like It's just insane to think that um, it almost feels like another life to think back to middle school when I felt like I was the shyest kid in class. Like I literally developed a slouch to the point where like I'd actually have to look up to people because um, I was you know, leaning yeah. forward so much and um, I had a poor stutter as well um i'd constantly stutter my words because i'd be trying to think of what i should say and then fear about being judged by the person about what i was going to say and then i'd also fear about being judged about my stutter so i'll make the stutter worse and it's just this mm. crazy mind game that i had going on anyway it got to a point where i was considerably lonely um like my friends had partners and i was a you know single one because i was too scared <laughs> to talk to anyone yeah. uh, i couldn't even talk to a girl even um even if i um, wasn't even very attracted to them. I'd still struggle to talk to a girl. Um, and it just got to a point where I just quite frankly wanted to disappear. Um, I never really wanted to take my own life. I was quite lucky in that sense that I never got to that degree. It definitely mm. was heading there. Um, but I was lucky enough to ha have some supportive people around me that um, eventually noticed. This took a few years. This took a few years for people to really notice um because i was suffering for a long time and i hit it very well as we all do with mental health yeah. struggles you know we put a big smile on our face and um then i mean they say that oftentimes it's a person that laughs and smiles the most it's sometimes the most depressed um yeah that's that's that was sort of yeah. me i was the one that laughed so much and smiled so much um very difficultly um like i remember having tense cheeks a lot of the time because i was forcing it um and i had my natural laugh now is even a it sounds forced it's like so it sounds forced because i spent so many years conditioning a forced laugh in order to uh, sort of avoid nervousness as much as possible and stop so i could get away from embarrassment and just all these things so yeah to really um conclude sort of my story about depression um it really came to a point where i eventually started seeing counselors um i started to understand a bit more i started to meditate um the story as to why i got into meditation that's a long one so i won't go there but um <laughs> it was it's um that really saved my life it really saved my life and I, I mean that not in terms of it um it stopped me from committing suicide but it meant that i never went down that route i i, I saw thoughts i had suicidal mm -hmm. thoughts but i never you know was intentional about it and i feel that meditation and seeing counselors definitely saved me there um yeah. and then from there anxiety came to my life um at the end of high school start of university um became crippling to the point where i couldn't even go to a mall with a friend um i uh was having a panic attack in a bar with my partner at the time um because i was watching her talk to another guy like it's just like it just became so crippling to the point where i felt like i couldn't even live life um i wasn't normal anymore and i just remember this one point when I was living over in Quebec City, it was a few years after school, um, and maybe about four or five years out of school at the time. Mm. And um, I was sitting there in my lounge at the time, looking into the corner of a room, um, of my room and thinking, I just want to feel peaceful. I, I, even if I don't end up getting married, even if I don't have kids, even if I don't be successful, even if I live off scraps for the rest of my life, I just want to be peaceful. I don't care anymore. I just want that peace because I'm so sick of feeling this way. 
Um, I was just so broken. And the second thought I had was I wouldn't even want my worst enemy to feel this way because it's yeah. just so horrible that why would I even want even the person that I despise most in this world to feel this way? It was that horrible. Um, and I know anyone that struggles with mental health severely can understand that very well. Um, yeah. They wouldn't even want the person they despise the most to feel that way. And um, that's sort of where things turned for me. Um, even though I'd been meditating for so long, even though I'd been um, seeing psychologists and therapists and all the rest, um, I finally decided to take a step much deeper into the mindfulness and spiritual realm. And yeah. I started to learn more about the brain. And, and so that's why that's when I started studying neuroscience of my own before I started it more and more of a curriculum based way. Um, and then I got sought help through the holistic psychologist, Dr. Nicola Perez. So I got an opportunity to work with her, which was awesome. Um, I started learning more about Buddhism and eventually had the opportunity to learn from a Buddhist monk directly. And then um, also you know, went to a Vipassana, which is um, a Buddhist practice where it was 10 days of complete silence and about 110 hours of meditation. And um, it was just such a beautiful transformation, transformational time of my life. And that's been the last sort of three-ish years where I've um, yeah. had the opportunity to, yeah, really, um, yeah, delve into the whole depths of the mind and the whole depths of, um, yeah, ripping things from their roots. Um, so that's really been a bit, bit about my journey, I guess, in a nutshell. Um, yeah, it's a bit yeah. of an all-over-the-place journey, but, yeah. Oh, it's so good, though. It's so good. And I this is one of the things that stood out to me about you immediately is this holistic approach. And yeah. I love this because, honestly, it's exactly how I see it, like, we want to understand the brain and psychology, but we also want to see it through a bigger perspective, which is spirituality and to have both at our disposal, to have the understanding of how both work and how they, they link. And there's so much like, I have goosebumps. Um, when you're talking about wanting to find peace, that's exactly mm. the point that I got to as well, where I was so sick of feeling numb. Like I felt nothing. I wanted, I would feel sad or angry over numb. Like I just wanted to mm. feel something. And that's exactly it. It was like, I just want to feel just present, just able to be present yeah. without like wanting to die. Literally it's, yeah. you know, it's, and that's, oh, there's just so much that you've said here. That's just so poignant. Like that thing of masking as well. We are very good at putting a smile on. Right. And um, totally. I just, yeah, I had this conversation with a friend a couple of days ago. Um, last year, heaps of stuff happened in my world. And we were talking about how, she kind of disappeared in that time. And I said, hey, I actually really needed you. And she said, oh my gosh, I believed that, like I just saw you as this strong together person and and I didn't really think that you needed me when actually, you know? And it's like, that's, mm. that's so, so good for us to understand, I think, because yes. it's so true, isn't it? We are good at smiling and because we know all the right things to say and oh yeah, we can put it into a, a broader context and oh, everything's working out for me, whatever. But people believe the illusion, which I think is why this this conversation is so important that we can't just look at the outside, you know, and make assumptions about what's going on for people underneath, especially the strong people. Like you say, the ones that look like they have their act together often are the ones that need support more than anyone, right? Yeah, (laughs) totally, totally. I feel, I really feel strongly about the fact that people that go through a lot of suffering naturally become very empathetic. Um, I mean, you'd call them the impasse. I mean, it's the whole chicken egg situation. I mean, are they impasse, yeah. therefore they become depressed or and anxious and you know, struggle with mental health or they struggle and therefore but they become empathetic, right? Yeah. Um, and I really feel that it does definitely both. 
people that have genuinely um, raised to be very empathetic can very easily take on people's energy, can take on people's suffering, can take on um, people's weight. And um, contrary mm. to that as well, going the other, other way that people that naturally do go through a lot of suffering also build a lot of empathy. So it definitely works both ways. And um, I know for myself, I was always sensitive from a kid at the same time, there were definitely due to that sensitivity um, that's like things that would maybe, maybe seem small to other people were tremendous for me. Like I felt so small and so lonely um, growing up. I felt like solitude was really a thing, but my reality was that I still had friends. Yeah. I still had family. Like I still had these things, but I just felt like the extra. I felt like I wasn't like, you know, the friend, if that makes sense. I was sort of the yeah. add on that sort of, that's how it felt, even though that wasn't the truth. And it was just because my, mine naturally was creating this pessimism um, perspective of myself uh, within these yeah. situations and therefore I'd withdraw myself even further. So I'd feel even more lonely and it's just, yeah, it's just this crazy cycle. So um, yeah. I really appreciate what you uh, shared there um, about using the word masks. Cause that's literally what it is. Um, yeah. Those people yeah. that are in that empathetic state put on a mask in order to make sure that no one else is suffering because they know how bad it is to suffer. Right. I mean, like, I know yeah. you can relate so much to this. Like, I mean, um, not only would I not want these people to suffer, but also I also, if, uh, I'm speaking for myself here, but I know that, and I've listened speaking for some of my clients as well, but I know that there's also a point where in order for me to fit in, um, I need to be the carer in order for me to be um, sort of had some significance with other people. I need to take care of them. Right. And that's where mm. I can get my significance because I don't feel significant at all in my life. Therefore, how can I be significant? Well, I can take care of other people um, because that's, that's like, I understand them. I, I, I have empathy for them. I can understand what they're feeling and what's going on in their life more so than yeah. many other people. Therefore, I'm going to show up in their life and be there for them. So there's definitely two angles um, that come to that wanting to care, but also wanting to feel significant. Um, and yeah, that's so true. Eh? So therefore we put up those big smiley masks <laughs> yeah oh there's so many things for us to talk about I told you we we're gonna need three hours I wasn't joking <laughs> but I actually will keep us the time but mm. so this this was one of the biggest things that I had to learn because for me it was a self-worth issue exactly as you say me feeling significant me making a difference in other people's lives made me feel worthy but I had nothing to give so I was constantly there's that cliche you know empty cup like pouring from an empty yeah. cup um, but I was, and one of the biggest shifts was when I started building my self-worth and realizing that I was worthy, whether I was at home with my cats reading a book or speaking to 50 people or, you know, working with clients, like to understand that inherent worthiness, I think was such a huge shift for me and learning mm. how to receive first and not having everyone else's needs before my own. Cause that's the thing I had learned that everyone else is more important than me. Everyone else comes first. And I mean, it's quite a destructive little path to be on, really. Like you can only yeah. give so much before you have some sort of breakdown, right? <laughs> totally. Totally. Yeah, yeah. Totally, fully agree. I'd love to actually, um, just for reference as well, just hear a little bit more about your story um, in terms of where things came in for you. Because I, I love that this is more of a conversation. Mm. Yeah. So uh, mental health related, um, I would say most of my teenage years I really struggled with depression but like you say I was the one with a big smile and so yeah. no one knew right and because I was top of my class I had a big smile it looked good on the outside and everyone believed it but one of the big things I think was when I was 16 I went to Sweden for a year and I did an exchange 
And so when I, when I came back, I had outgrown everyone. So like, I didn't want to go back to school because I'd have to go back a year. And I was so different, but everything felt the same. And it was this weird sort of identity thing where I was like, where do I even fit in? Um, And at that point, so I'd been in, uh, I'd grown up in a really violent household from about five to 12. Um, so, so much fear, which is one of the questions I'm going to ask you about later, is cool. trauma and how it starts to manifest now for us. Um, so I'd grown up in a lot of fear on this, yeah, walking around on eggshells. I was, so I was really anxious. That was my go-to. Like any time like there was a loud noise, I was jumpy, like I was fearful all the time. And And I had really learned this feeling of worthlessness because honestly, the people in my life, the the ones that you expect to have your back didn't. And so I had learned that even they don't love me, even they don't care, why would anyone else? Obviously it's because I'm worthless, right? And it's like you say, that cycle of like, the belief is I'm worthless. So the evidence that starts to show up is evidence of that. See, they don't care either. Your friends don't care about you. Your family doesn't care about you. And so when I was 18, my brother had a freak seizure and died. And he was like the love of my life. And I'm so, so like, sorry. Wow. That's right. He that's has huge. Honestly, yeah. And his, so his name was Fergus. My last name mm. is Ferguson now. So I changed it legally. So he is yep. the reason I started this whole path. Like his, this is his mm. legacy, what we're doing right now, even, which is so cool. Um, yeah. So he died suddenly and then the whole world just crumbled. My mum, my stepdad moved to the States like four months later. So I was kind Whoa. of, yeah, so I was like 18 years old. Like, what do I do? Because I didn't really so think. So why didn't you go with your family? That's the question. So I thought, because mm. my dad was here, my brother was here, my life was here. I sort of thought, given what's just happened, I don't really know if moving to the other side of the world and starting again, you know, making new friends is the smartest thing, you know? So I thought, I'll, I'll you know, I'll stay here. I'll settle. Um, that didn't last. I stayed here for a year. Um and it wasn't good. I worked nonstop for seven months, like seven days a week, um, because I did not want to deal with what had happened. <laughs> and then depression kicked in, issues with alcohol, issues with boys, issues with all of it came up. You, you can't hide it. Massive anxiety, massive depression, um, all those really toxic cycles and yeah, looking for self-worth, looking for happiness externally, looking for anything mm. to like make me feel a little bit better. Um, yeah, and so in the end, I ended up moving to America. Um, I went for a year. And um, oh, in that time, actually, I studied mental health. So that was one thing. But in, oh, nice. it was crazy because it was my mental health teacher that actually called my mum in the States and said, I'm so worried about your kid. Because I wasn't leaving the house like maybe twice a week I'd leave the house. It was wow. only when I had to. Like I literally just locked myself in my bedroom, couldn't function, couldn't deal. All my friends had left the town and gone to university and stuff like that. Um, anxiety through the roof. And it was looking back now, I'm just like, what was I thinking? Oh my gosh. Like, but the coping strategies, right? The Like, because I didn't sleep. So I was exhausted. So I was just consuming caffeine, like nobody's business, which is amazing for anxiety, isn't it? Oh, it's it's incredible. so good. Mm. Yeah. So I was just chugging like V and like the worst sort of stuff um, mm. just to stay awake. And then, yeah, in the end, like I ended up going to spend time with my mum and we had this Where in crazy... America were you? 
so California, just out of San Francisco. Um, oh yeah. wow, okay. Because I lived over in um San Diego for a while. Yeah. Oh, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Love it there. Yeah, I reckon it would have been a better experience for me had I not had this stuff going on. It'd be interesting yeah. now to go there, but um, totally. yeah. So, so that's kind of the thing. The the grief thing really kicked in, um, and then yeah, I lived there. It didn't go well. I met a loser. That was cool. <laughs> Came back to New Zealand. Loser followed me. Uh, yeah. Then I kicked loser out. He went back, and then it was like the first time I would have been twenty one, and I just got my first job in mental health. Of course, because I want to save everyone, right? Because it makes me feel good to be needed. Um, Totally. And so, yeah, I was working in mental health and having to deal with myself for the first time. And this is when everything changed. My friend texted me one day. She said, oh, I found this book I think you'll love. It's called The Secret. (laughs) Uh, And I was like, oh. Got a law of attraction. Yeah, that's when I met, like, that's when I discovered law of attraction. Mm. And then that's kind of where things started to shift. But Mm. it was a crazy time. and. There was so much. There was one day I went to, um, I used to get free counseling sessions through work. And I, I got a free counseling session with a psychologist. And I remember her saying to me, like I told her my story and I told her my history and stuff. And she looked at me and she was like, you know, it's not your fault, right? And I just cried for like an hour. And it was like, this is the first time I'd ever heard that. And I think that's so important to know. It's like, because I, I had internalized all of everyone like everyone else's behavior mm. and everyone else's like inability to express emotion and stuff as my issue like it's because I wasn't good enough but actually it wasn't it was they didn't have the tools to do it they didn't know they weren't taught how to do this and then yeah. so that was kind of like whoa this isn't my fault okay and then I was like how do I fix this and she was like vitamin b so I'm like okay went home got some vitamins and then I was just like move to the beach, nature, sunshine, um, creativity, working in mental health, yes, but really investing in myself. And that's where it was like the power to change things, you know, and mm. even catching, starting, I think because I really committed to, I am done being in this place. Like I want change. Like I started to become aware of things that I hadn't even noticed before. One of them was this voice in my head, like the way I'd speak to myself and I've talked about this so many times because this was a pivotal moment where I was walking to my bedroom one day and I had to walk past this big mirror. And I, this day, heard myself just say, like I looked over my shoulder and I said the most disgusting things to myself, but I heard it, like I caught myself. And I was like, is that how I talk to myself? Like, no wonder I feel like shit, seriously. Mm. Um, And it was like, right, we're done with this. We're going to fix this. We're going to change this voice. We're going to focus on what we want. We're going to focus on, you know, all the positive stuff which is awesome because that's what I took into my work with my clients as well, mm. um, which was so cool. So low-key, I was starting to do NLP with my clients and getting crazy results um, without even realizing it. But yeah, so that's that's kind of where it kicked off. And then the last, like the adult years have been really interesting where old stuff has been coming up, especially some of that trauma stuff. Um, I think in the last podcast, actually, we talked about this a lot in regards to relationships and fear especially around men this was one thing that was really interesting to observe was like it makes sense that you witness all this stuff as a kid and I sort of thought you know consciously the five percent of my conscious mind I was like oh I've got this like I'm I'm worthy I'm good enough like I'll never be treated like that by someone else 
And then I found myself in the exact same situation. And I was just like, how did this happen? And that's where the unconscious mind, this trauma, like it's so interesting. And I feel like I'm so committed to learning more and more about it and to do, doing more study because even with everything I knew that still came into my life because there was still unhealed parts of my unconscious, you know? And it's like, it's got to be addressed. And so, yeah, the power of really healing, I think is, and having the courage to feel, I think this is one of the big things that I'm going to stop talking soon because I want to hear way more from you. Um, but with mental health, you know, how quickly we are to medicate, to diagnose mm. and to medicate. Yes. And it's like, but actually there was so much that I needed to feel. There was so much that I needed to forgive myself for, so much that I needed to actually allow myself to cry about. Like, yeah. and when I actually sat with it and I was like, what happened was horrendous. And I just stuffed it down. I just said, oh, harden up, you know, uh, toxic positivity. It's all part of your life lesson, like um, yeah. whatever. But actually the little child version of me that was so hurt had never even been given permission to be seen, you know? Yeah. So that's what, so that all of a sudden it's manifesting now, well, it was as fear, insecurity, anxiety, my unconscious trying to get me out of a situation that it thinks is unsafe, even though the situation that I'm in is actually not unsafe, but my unconscious thinks it is because it always has been, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So there totally. you go. <laughs> totally. No, thank you for sharing. Thank you for yeah. sharing. I mean, that's such a relatable story, right? And um, I totally agree with what you shared about the medication aspect. It's something that I'm quite passionate about. Um, yeah. I was I was diagnosed with depression when I went in to get um, test my testosterone. Um, long story short, when I was 22, um, I abused testosterone um, to try to get jacked. All <laughs> oh, right, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They got all the bodybuilding stories. Um, so yeah, long story short, I didn't feel comfortable with my own body, um, and I still didn't even when I was on testosterone. Um, like I was just constantly insecure, constantly striving for more, and constantly beating myself up for wherever I was. Um, and this whole concept of like body grabbing, like, you know, pinching my skin and all that sort of thing, like noticing, oh man, it's still too much fat there. And it was just this really um, very problematic and dangerous mentality to get into. And long story short, um, I, um, when I was on this testosterone, I, I abused it. Um, I had a big drop in the testosterone coming off it and um, it really messed up my hormones, really messed up my hormones. And I went to the doctor about it because I was falling asleep about five times a day could barely stand because i was so dizzy um my blood pressure was tremendously low like all these problems were coming and um this lasted for about eight nine months by the way like where i could, could barely focus on things it was horrible and um uh yeah so don't take testosterone kids <laughs> um, unless you're you know open suffering the consequences anyway um uh i went to the doctors about it um trying to figure it out and uh they um my doctor whipped out a form I had seven questions on it. I remember it very vividly. I can't remember the questions exactly, but I remember the fact that it was very easy to answer yes to all seven of them. He's like, okay, you've got depression. Let's get you some medication. Like, what? I, I didn't even come here for that. Like, I know, I already know I'm depressed. Like, I've had this for years, <laughs> but um, yeah. like, like I, I don't want to take medication. For, like, I was so resistant to it because I was too proud. Um, that was definitely a problem on my end. Um, but Same. what Major. really got me, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. What really got me was um, I still ended up taking St. John's Ward and Ashwagandha and things that were actually helping my serotonin levels, but um, just not to the uh, extremity that the um, yeah, NSSR I would. But anyway, I, um, yeah. I uh, was absolutely shocked by how easily um, 
I was going to be given medication. And the amount of people that have had come to me that have ended up taking taking things like Ritalin or um, or just mm. really any form of an SSRI, to be honest, and even things that act on um, dopamine, um, it was very sad to hear a lot of the stories where people end up worse off with the medication than they did before. And even more problematic as well, when people ended up in a state where they needed the medication and then they assumed that was a fix because mm. they weren't educated about it. They weren't yeah. educated that there was a reason why the chemical imbalance was occurring. Like it's not just there's a chemical mm. imbalance and that's the root. No, there's something that's much deeper than that. Unfortunately, people aren't educated. Um, the beautiful thing is that something is available and I'm a very big advocate for medication for sure. I'm a very big advocate. I want it to be there. Um, I think it's an important tool, but there needs to be more education around it, what it does, um, uh, like what happens over the long period of time if people take it over a long period of time. Mm. Um, and and to the fact that um, I'd love to see more of an introduction of um, connections to psychologists and psychiatrists and specialists um, that people can go and see before going and getting medication right like when they go to see the doctor it's like hey yeah. maybe you should go see the psychologist which some doctors do but some doctors go straight to the medication just because they're educated on that like that's what they're educated on it's not their fault but um it's definitely a lack of education there for sure so just wanted to share that because i think it's an important topic yeah it is honestly i could rant about this i worked in mental health for five years and i worked with the top three percent of unwell people in the country so they're all, all right. under community psychiatrists um and it was astounding to me, even at the time that, so like, for example, there was one guy that I'll never forget. And cause I used to read all everyone's files. Cause I wanted to know their story. I wanted to know what had happened to them, you know? And there was this guy and he was on this drug called clozapine, which is revolting. Like it's, it shortens your lifespan. It's the last resort. Um, it really affects your, is it your white blood cell count? So basically if, Okay. You get a cold, we have to take you to the doctor because your body isn't strong enough. You basically you gain a bunch of weight. Whoa. You have no motivation. It's terrible. So you've got like basically no immunity capability. That's insane. Yeah. And so this guy had been put on this drug. And this was a common thing. You know, basically mm. a lot of people who were under the mental health act were on this drug. Um, and it basically, I feel myself resisting now, but this is just my opinion. I think it turns people into zombies. And... Mm. This guy, when I read his file, I read that he, at 12 years old, had witnessed his mother be raped and murdered in front of him. And we've just turned this guy into a zombie. I'm like, this feels so sick to me. Like, yeah. this guy needs immense compassion and support, yeah. not, you know, and that, but that's just the standard. Like, yeah. people, you know, my job as a support worker was to motivate people, but people are being given these drugs that legit make them put on 20 kgs in six weeks um yeah. and have no motivation they don't they're always tired it's like why if you're always tired you're not motivated you know mm, and totally. it's just, but that's just how it was or yeah clients who um just like beautiful Samoan woman that I worked with in in Wellington and she um she had no family you know like mm. no family support everyone had abandoned her she had no money she was living in this gross moldy damp Wellington flat um she basically spent all her money on like cigarettes and then she had no, whatever she had left, she'd buy food, but she'd buy basically like two minute noodles and white bread kind of thing. Yeah. And I'm just like, okay, you want me to motivate her, but she, she knows that the only people who come to see her are paid to be there. She's mm -hmm. no friends, no purpose, nothing fun to do. I wouldn't be motivated either. 
Like mm. if someone came around to my house and said, let's set some goals, I'd be like, piss off. Like, honestly, yeah. let's be real, right? Totally. But that's, that's the, the mentality and it's, it's crazy. Like it's just, yeah. so, okay, let's talk about, let's talk about holistic. What okay. are the key components that we need to actually be really mastering to create the best mental health for ourselves? Mm. So I don't, I don't normally, I don't usually personally use the word mastering because I don't believe there is, there is a mastering off. There's always yeah. possibilities to learn more. Um, especially once yeah, one enters, I mean, I'm, I know you'll be so um, conscious of this with spirituality. Like it's like the more we learn, the more we realize we don't know. Um, totally. Same with science as well. It's like the more I delved into understanding the brain and the nervous system and spinal cord and the eyes and just how everything works and functions um, yeah. in terms of um, how it correlates to our endocrine system, which is our hormone system. Um, it was just, it just blew my mind that, okay, well, I know about dopamine, I know about serotonin, about oxytocin and endorphins and all these different, um, you know, interesting chemicals in the system and like how they some of them are neurotransmitters, some of them are hormones and like what, what a neuromodulator is and all these random terms, right? I'm like, okay, cool. I sort of just started to get those terms and like started to understand those that, you know, most people don't really know too much about. I'm like, okay, yeah. I think I'm smart. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then, I, then I start my first neuroscience course. I'm like, holy crap. <laughs> I am. I feel like I'm dumb. Um, <laughs> I, it's yeah. just insane. Um, the depths that it really is. And then on top of that as well, um, many neuroscientists um, will talk about the fact that we only know about 1% or 2% of what there is to know about the brain. And the fact that, you know, even the, that one or two percent that we know about the brain is already just so immense that it's almost impossible to learn all of it. Um, yeah. uh, it just it just baffles me how much possibility there is. So um, definitely, um, when it, but when it comes to the holistic aspect, so long this is what's important. Even though there's so much to learn, there's also a baseline that is very um, very essential and only really needed. Um, I mean, yeah. you don't need to understand the brain. You don't need to understand hormones. You don't need to understand spirituality to really come to a place where you can find peace. It's not a necessity. What's, um, what's important to actually share is that so long as you can reach a baseline level of health, so long as you can reach a baseline level of um, self-forgiveness and self-acceptance, you're going to find some peace. It's important. You don't need to completely understand them. Um, but what is important is that some education is given so that people can understand somewhat the mechanisms of some of the things like the mechanism of health. Like if people don't are just told what to eat rather than understanding why they eat it, yeah. it's going to be, there's going to be a, a resistance there, right? People can have resistance there. So there is some education that's needed. Um, however, uh, it is yeah definitely important to understand that you don't, yeah. Otherwise it gets so overwhelming for people, right? It's like, man, I don't want to heal anymore. It's too much, too much information. So yeah. it's important to share that. Hey, like it's okay. Like, um, so long as you can get a baseline level of understanding, you'll be fine. Um, and then from there, you can only just develop. The reason why I shared before that I don't use the word master is because the moment that people give put a finish line on their healing or on their, on their growth, um, yeah. it's going to be a dead end and they're going to regress because there's only yeah. growing or dying. There's no in between as human beings with our, the consciousness we have, we can't just sustain. We don't just stay the same. We're constantly evolving. Oh, yeah. um, even our cells are constantly changing and shifting. I mean, every second, thousands, millions, billions of cells within our system are literally transforming, changing, renewing, rejuvenating. All these different things are happening with it. Like literally every second, every single one of our cells are active. It's mm -hmm. insane to think like we've got trillions of cells. 
uh, it's the workings of everything that's going on within our system is mind boggling. Um, so we can never just sustain, it's always going to be growth or death or in other words, yeah. growth or, um, or sorry, progression or regression. So definitely important to, um, never come to a place where I'm like, okay, I'm healed or I'm done. Like I've had people that have come back to me, um, for work because they got to a point where they're like, okay, I'm healed, I'm done. And they leave and then they realize that actually no there's a lot more to be done um and like, okay okay i get it now <laughs> i'll do yeah. more work <laughs> um, yeah 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 and that's definitely important to understand i mean i myself i still have um a coach i've had him for over a year and a half now um and i'll continue to work with him consistently and even before that right i was doing a lot of other stuff for me but yeah to um really come to the um the i guess pillars of overall um yeah. i guess baseline of what we'd want to create um, is to look at um, our nutrition that would be one aspect mm -hmm. um, so looking um, at nutrition one would be the other one would be looking at our brain so that would that will incorporate like brain health um, that will incorporate things like um, nlp so neurolinguistic programming so programming um, the brain um, so that's the second aspect the third aspect would be the endocrine systems so the hormone system so actually because i mean even especially women um, because women go through so many hormonal changes more so than men because men still do but not to the degree that women do obviously um there's yeah. definitely impacts of you know the spike in estrogen or um the uh, fluctuations in thyroid and it, these things definitely impact the way that the mind is going to operate as well and the brain's going to operate so therefore it affects mental health so um and then of course physical health as well um would be a fourth and then the fifth would be spirituality right so those are definitely um off the top of my head would be mm -hmm. definitely um some strong important key pillars uh, for approaching things holistically and if um i feel that one person is maybe targeting one or two fantastic they're going to get some benefits but they're not really going to come to a place where they actually experience peace but if they actually can even just get a a little bit a baseline of all five man that person's mm. going to get so much more peace than that one person that's mastered just one of them so much more peace and that takes so much less work as well than mastering yeah. one of them so definitely go for that baseline of approaching things holistically for sure because they all intertwine i mean one could um have optimal nutrition spiritual like be very spiritual um they could you know have their hormone system operating beautifully um they could mm. i mean this is probably not going to be optimally because if they don't have their physical health for example in check and every, if, if when everything else is um what's going to happen is, is there's going to be a, a slowing or decreasing um efficiency of what we call the mitochondria so mitochondria is like this membrane in the cell that um uh, helps us really create energy from the food that we eat right so that's just a really short dumb version of it but um <laughs> Ultimately, if this isn't very efficient, they can lead to things like um, insulin resistance, which can lead to diet, type 2 diabetes. Beaties. Um, this can also lead to lethargy, fatigue, um, brain fog, um, um, a, a low level of immunity, um, and also just the feeling of just not being motivated. Um, so ultimately, even if they're so focused on all the, all the other four, if they're not concentrating on actually giving some benefit to their physical health, like just going for walks or, you know, even going for a jog here and there or going to the gym every now and again, like actually yeah. getting the system moving, then of course it's going to inhibit the other four. So like I said, it's definitely important to look at all five for sure so yeah sorry that was yeah, a long yeah. answer <laughs> no that was amazing i wrote that all down um the way that i see it 
and I'm actually this word mastery that's so funny because I didn't even mean it the way that I said it but I'm like this thank you for bringing this up because that's absolutely true yeah yeah the way that I see it is like spinning plates you know so you've got like five sticks and you're spinning plates and it's like sometimes yeah but if one falls off then we don't beat ourselves up we're like oh yeah that that fell off okay I'll put it back on but it's um like this is so amazing so the question that everyone is going to ask is what should I eat Karen (laughs) yeah yeah what should I Um, actually be eating and I would love to also hear that story because you went to a party in the weekend day and you took like yeah what did you take (laughs) um I had a um I had this like vegan um kimchi soup yeah (laughs) yeah yeah so I was slurping away at my soup while everyone was getting getting lit um I was I was just lit I was I was lit I'm I'm doing my own thing um obviously without alcohol or drugs or anything but um yeah I was I was just laughing and having as much fun as everyone else but um I've I've gotten to that point (laughs) over time right it's taken some time like initially um there were long story short just to give you the short sort of story of this because I know you like stories um (laughs) I was having a going away party before I went to the states when I was 23 um yeah. yeah so I was I was pretty pretty early on in my 20 23rd year and um uh I had this going away party for um going to the states and I was leaving everyone and one of my friends came over his name's Jorby Weber absolutely lovely guy um like one of my best mates and he brought over a juice box and I think a chocolate milk or something like that and I was I was pretty gone by the time he was there because I was drink loving my whiskey probably um i love my whiskey back in the day and um uh i remember like playing beer pong getting wasted not really you know one of those nights where you just don't remember much and i i just remember only one or two moments when i was with him um at the party and one time in the kitchen when i was speaking to him then another time outside having a yarn and that's it i i, I just didn't remember much at all and mm. i remember um knowing and this must have been through stories or something that Geordie went off and had an awesome day the next day, you know, like full of like, cause he's such, such a guy full of life. Um, and I remember just reflecting on that and being like, man, what am I drinking for? <laughs> like, like, why am I doing this? Why am I wasting away my life leading to more anxiety and depression the next day? Um, and, you know, worsening my mental health through this uh, when I'm only getting like a few hours of numbing um, like, and what seemingly is yeah. fun when I could still have as much fun as he did drink something that's yummy. And then, you know, that's like chocolate milk or juice <laughs> and have an amazing day the next day. I mean, Frank, like, why don't I do that? So I slowly built up the courage and confidence to do that, of course, because I had a strong enough reason to, because it definitely affected my mental health negatively. So eventually over time yeah. after having those like um, sort of nervous times when I'd only have one or two drinks, because I still needed something and then eventually having nothing um, and still getting up and dancing and boogieing and standing on the table and like doing all these, you know, things <laughs> that everyone else does. Um, yeah. eventually it just got to a point where I realized, oh, wow, I'm now going to be what Geordie was. And I'm the other people are going to be what I was. I don't remember what Geordie did. <laughs> other people aren't going to remember what I did. Great. Yeah. <laughs> I can do whatever I want. <laughs> yeah. so it was like, cool. I can just go, I just be a crazy guy. So that, that sort of gave me a boost. And now it's, it doesn't really bother me what people think in that realm, but, um, yeah, it was definitely, um, definitely a cool journey and coming to that. So yeah, I had my kimchi soup at my friend's, uh, flat warming on the weekend. And, um, yeah, oh. definitely, um, not just alcohol involved. Um, let's just say that, <laughs> yeah. um, but yeah, it was, um, I mean, obviously not on my end, but, um, uh to yeah answer your question about what should we eat keep it simple 
the moment you make it complex, you are just going to lead to more anxiety um, and more self-sabotage. Yep. So please don't do that. Um, what I'd encourage instead is if you can approach things as much on, on a whole food focus as possible, you're going to benefit yourself massively. Okay. Because yep. when you're ingesting things that have um, massive amounts of artificial sugars, pesticides. Um, so like if you can even, even try to go more towards the organic side. So if you see something, something that yep. is, you know, maybe 30 cents more because it's organic, spend the extra 30 cents more because you're actually, you're actually benefiting your system a lot. But if you can't, Hey, frick, that's okay. Don't, don't have the organic. That's okay. If you, if it's too much um, of a hassle, it's too much that you can't afford it or whatever. Okay, that's fine. At least just uh, focus more so on the whole food aspect. So things that obviously just packaged with like literally dozens, if not hundreds, some of them, which is just insane of ingredients. Mm. Um, obviously, it's not going to be too good for your gut. Um, it's going to be very difficult to break down, going to create a whole lot of inflammation in the system, which can lead to inflammation in the brain, which can lead to more stress in the system, which can lead to, well, um, more of a triggered mental health issue, right? So ultimately, yeah. um, and also um, issues that can be cultivated over time called leaky gut, which can lead to inflammation in the gut, which can lead to a, a decrease in serotonin production because you, we produce about 90% of our serotonin in our, in our digestive tract, which is in our gut. Now, when we create a lot of inflammation okay. in the gut, we also inhibit, um, um, we also um, create a poor imbalance of um, gut microbiome. So this is like the bacteria in the gut. So imagine like um, literally um, uh, like billions and trillions of little freaking um, uh, living things that literally live within you. Okay. We've got, I, I can't remember the exact um, number, but I believe we've got more bacteria than we do cells, which is just insane. We've literally got like a trillion something cells in our yeah. system. And we've got more bacteria than that, which is just mind boggling. And these bacteria are living things. We literally have so many living things in our system. And if we're not taking care of these living things that are in our system, then naturally they're not going to take care of us. They're there to actually help us to thrive. And when we're not mm. taking care of these little living things that live with us, um, <laughs> they're, nightmares they're not going to, yeah. What's that? Sorry. <laughs> you just hear like nightmares being triggered oh, everywhere. Yeah. Like, oh my God, there's yeah. all these living things <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's beautiful to understand because if we can understand yeah. that we're not just a body, we're so much more than that. Um, obviously yeah. we're going to spirituality again, so much more, but also on the physical aspect, we're still so much yeah. more than that. Uh, it's just yeah. so much life here within us, which is just beautiful, but we need to take care of it. Um, and yeah. definitely a big way is looking more towards the whole food aspect and looking um, where you can maybe substitute inflammatory foods. So inflammatory yeah. foods are examples like red meat, um, dairy, um, gluten to some extent. I still have these things um, like red meat I haven't had in a long time, but I'm sure every now and again, I might have it if um, it's put in front of me um but the, the idea is yeah. to not buy it or do it i mean, in months almost probably actually over a year but anyway dairy every now and again i'll have gluten i have you know many days but i have very little amounts of gluten um trans fats is a big one so that's going to be in yeah. your processed foods that's going to be in your non-whole foods um yeah, yeah so those are really going to be the Oh, and sugar, of course. Yeah. So um, obviously yeah. an overload of sugar is going to feed your bad bacteria. It's going to be, um, there can be eventually bacterial overgrowth, which can lead yeah. to more um, gut issues. That's a big no, no go. So um, yeah, so <laughs> sugar is definitely okay. Um, and like a bit, like I've, I love my chocolate. <laughs> who doesn't? Um, I love my mum's <laughs> caramel slice. I mean, who wouldn't, right? So um, these things aren't <laughs> yeah. like, th this is what's so important to understand is that when it comes to food, 
um, if one is to be so critical about the food that that's a detrimental to their mental health, well, you're, you're literally creating um, more of a issue than you are in helping it. Um, unfortunately, people think that, you know, they get so critical about their nutrition because they um, have all this understanding and knowledge now that's so good for their mental health, but yeah. that's detrimental to your mental health. Well, they're actually creating more issues. And people also um, can... Uh, end up in a place of hopelessness and lack of motivation because they've done all this work to work on their nutrition and it's not working because their mental health isn't improving so like what's the point you know so yeah. definitely important to um to set very um simple standards for oneself and just simply set one or two non-negotiables a week one or two that's it like i'm going to um uh have you know 50 less dairy this week that's my one non-negotiable this week that's it right? Yeah. And that, that can be the one thing. Fantastic, right? Or I'm going to um, have two more meals this week that have more more whole veg, like, you know, whole foods in it, so more veggies um, yeah. in it. Fantastic. Great. You're doing well. So what's important yeah. is definitely to set one small promise or two small promises each yeah. week um, and slowly and um, incrementally improve like that. Otherwise, you're just going to be too overwhelmed. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. There's a, a woman that I know who's been on the podcast as well, and she teaches about learning how to eat like, holistically. And she talks about um, adding things in rather than taking things out. And I love mm. that approach. Isn't that so mm. much better? Like, yeah, how can yeah. I add in more veggies? How can I drink more water? As opposed mm. to, I need to cut this, this, and this, and it needs to be perfect. And yeah, all of that. Mm. Totally. Can I just ask as well about um, fermented foods? Yeah, totally. So fermented <laughs> foods um, and natural probiotics. So um, probiotics um, naturally feed our back, certain bacteria, strains of bacteria. So yeah. for example, in your dairy products, okay, this is where um, yogurt can be um, good. I, I don't actually, coconut yogurt, coconut yogurt usually has um, uh, added in probiotics, but still um, love my coconut yogurt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, ultimately you'll find that if you look on the ingredients, a lot of the time you'll find that it might have like the names lactobacillus and bifidobacterium in them. So these are only two strands or two types of strands. So there's literally like maybe, um, I can't remember how many, um, how many types of lactobacillus and bifidobacterium there are, but that's yeah. like one category of strands. So I think there's hundreds of different strands that are possible, right? And then out of these strands is, um, you know, you get literally millions, billions of bacteria that are under each of these strains. So it's like these are sort of like categories and yeah, it gets complex. So yeah, well, just basically to keep it very simple, uh, when you consume fermented foods, they are natural probiotics, which feed our bacteria, which is obviously a good thing um, and help them to thrive, right? In a, in a good way, in a healthy way. Um, so um, taking a probiotic in the morning, um, just because we're on this path, um, can be very beneficial for people's many people's gut health. Um, I even encourage people to just to try it, just to find a probiotic that has a lot of diversity. So not just a probiotic that has one strand, which is like lactobacillus, which is the common one, yeah. but actually has like 10 to 14 strands. I have one that has like 14 strands, I believe, or 16 strands. I think it's 14. And um, I just take that once every now and again in the morning, not every day. Because otherwise you can get an overload and an imbalance of certain strands and they can then, you know, getting confusing again, but yeah. just take it once, yeah. you know, once every other day um, and, they can, and just see how your gut feels. 
Are you yeah. feeling less constipated? Are you feeling um, less bloated? Are you feeling um, a little bit more energized? Fantastic. It's benefiting you. If it's not, if it's not great, get rid of it. Right. But um, it's definitely a, a, um, a powerful tool for people to look at is um, looking yeah. at that. And then a great way to get it in um, much more naturally is of course, by eating fermented foods. So even if it's just, I'm going to eat more fermented foods like tempeh, um, kimchi, um, is kimchi one? Um, yeah. And um uh gosh mine's gone blank uh like pickles um uh sauerkraut right so these are all uh fermented yeah. foods and are very very good for the old gut yeah oh miso is one as well isn't it yes yes yeah. love miso yeah thank you so that's yeah. the easiest one to just drink yeah, <laughs> yeah it is okay brilliant awesome thank you so much okay so um I'm just trying to think in terms of like practical, because I go on and on about the spiritual stuff all the time on this podcast. So oh. everyone knows everyone should be meditating. You've heard it from Karen <laughs> now as well. Um, yep. And then so in terms of actual like physical health, because I know you run a lot. Everyone's mm. like, I'm switching off this podcast now. No, just kidding. But um, in terms of physical health, like what do you recommend as a baseline? Just going for a walk literally yep. that going for if you can if, if people can get out for literally do a 20 minute walk a day and that doesn't need to look at look like at the form of exactly specifically going for a walk right it can be yep. playing with your dog for 20 minutes a day like that, that whole 20 minutes a day push play i i think it was that right that 30. is literally the bit, 30. 30 okay well <laughs> tw set 20 as a baseline okay um yeah, yeah. yeah at least 20 minutes um even if, if it's 30 fantastic but that's probably the greatest ad that New Zealand's ever done, I think. Because <laughs> honestly, it's um aside from the fact that I've heard some more mental health ads on the radio, which has been great. But um yeah, it's definitely um massively important to create some form of just movement and activity in the day because um not only is this optimizing overall health in terms of the immunity, in terms of cell health, in terms of um uh, the amount of oxygen in the system, alkalinity, just all these different benefits which are going to help overall health um also yeah. that person that's getting more oxygen into the brain um the person that's um getting more endorphins flowing through the system is naturally going to uh, have a consequence of more positive thoughts naturally right not saying that this is going to heal the person and absolutely not right? but it's they're more likely to have a few more positive yeah. thoughts than they were if they didn't um get some yeah. form of exercise in their day so if that's the baseline 20 minutes of some movement per day um, and then if the person decides they want to go for two or three jogs a week, that person's like, you know, maybe that's their first step for, you know, the first month one. And then they come into month two and they're like, you know what, I'm going to, um, uh, expand that. I'm going to go to the gym twice a week as well. Right. So, I mean, that, that's a great way as well to incrementally, um, step into a little bit more movement. And what I encourage people to do is not to, set the intention of I'm going to incorporate movement to lose a bunch of weight and to look really good. Okay. If that's yeah. one intention, fantastic. But if it's the intention, it's very mm -hmm. easy to become demotivated and fall off the bandwagon because it's just never ending pursuit. What is beautiful, a beautiful intention to have it more of a, as a primary one is how good do I feel? Right. Um, yeah. After two weeks of incorporating more movement, how good do I feel one month after and once I reach two weeks into it or four weeks into it, reflecting on day one and just, just comparing how do I feel now compared to how I felt before. And that's always a great measurement tool. Is this working? Right. Um, and that's always yeah. a great way to motivate oneself to continue because if one can actually um, reflect on the fact that their mental health is better, they feel more energized and they, they 
their sleep is better, right? All these different things. They're, mm. they're noticing improvements and they're naturally going to be more motivated to continue. The problem is people lose motivation because they set all these physical goals and they don't see the changes physically. So they lose motivation. And yeah. So yeah, that's definitely a big one. Mm. Love that. I love that. Okay, cool. So then uh, the other one, the other two were the endocrine system and brain health. Baseline yes. recommendations for those two, please. Yeah, sir. yeah cool. <laughs> I love that you're asking for these because I've never actually been asked specifically for this. So um, in terms of hormones, um, I wouldn't worry too much about this stuff, honestly, and, and as long as you're not abusing hormones. And what I mean by this is if you're taking... Um, like, of course, you know, if you're going out and taking, taking the old drugs and you're doing them too frequently and you're doing them, especially if you're doing them weekly. Um, I, I hear of people going and doing speed weekly or like, you know, I've been in these circles before and doing mm -hmm. like, um, uh, gosh, MDMA. I can't believe I've even forgot that, but yes, like <laughs> taking MDMA in the past. Right. So like, yeah, I'm very open. And, um, I've even taken like acid in the past, like, you know, like these things are, um, people use them for, working on themselves, which is great. Um, but of course there's most people that don't. Um, and most yeah. people use them as party drugs and especially if they're doing them even like two, three times a month, which some is actually quite common for some people, they're actually messing up with their serotonin dopamine, um, systems massively. Um, because what's going to happen is the brain's going to get used to artificially having a massive spike within these certain chemicals, and it's going to naturally create more inhibitations, right? So it's going to create more of a um, yeah, inhibitation to um, the uh, receptors. So basically the receptors that basically is where we use the serotonin, where we use the dopamine just to give people a really very brief science lesson. Basically what happens is when we produce serotonin, right, that's called a um, transmitter. So basically we've got multiple transmitters that produce serotonin, right? But we can also ingest it through medication, right? So we can take like MDMA or we can take an SSRI, which is of course um, the medication we might get from the doctor. And what this is going to do is it's going to uh, create these like dummy versions of serotonin that unlike that brain believes is serotonin but it's not serotonin and what this is going to do is um it's going to uh, park in, in these little serotonin spaces so these little car park spaces right and um these chemicals are going to park in there and um the brain's going to think oh well, we've got lots of serotonin fantastic right so it's going to act out as if it's got a whole lot of serotonin so we get this like incredible high we feel we can feel very calm or if we can feel if we get too much serotonin we can feel very energetic very compassionate very loving right so um that's just a consequence of the serotonin um uh, also stimulating oxytocin okay that's where we get like that sweetness so mdma your oxytocin when it's oxytocin is really high because of the serotonin is very high you're going to get yeah. that very sweet feeling like i love everyone right <laughs> so yeah, yeah um yeah so um basically if you're tampering with your hormones too much um what's and your, your neurotransmitters and all that um yeah you're definitely going to create more inhibitations with them so if you are on medication um all i suggest is that you look for a long-term plan. I'm not suggesting throw them down the toilet. Please do not. Please do not. That's actually going to be very bad for your mental health. Please do not do that. I plead you. Uh, what I plead you to do though as well is to educate yourself on, okay, what, what is this um, doing? What is maybe a plan that I can do to eventually one day, maybe not you need them, right? Maybe wean off them eventually. That could, that's, that's always a good plan to look into. So, because um, ultimately long-term that can be actually um, inhibiting to people's mental health. I mean, there's various stats and studies on this, right? Long-term use of these uh, drugs. Yeah. So um, yeah, not tampering 
with your hormone system is the baseline. Yeah. <laughs> and okay. ultimately when, yeah, when people are working on their physical health and nutrition, you're going to organically and naturally as well, complement your hormone system, your endocrine system. So, yeah. So don't worry about yeah. that. And then in terms of the okay. NLP, um, the brain, um, the baseline for that, just to keep this one short. Um, if one is spending literally even five minutes a day where they're spending time in stillness, and that, that doesn't need necessarily need to be eyes closed stillness. Um, that can be stillness in terms of when they're going for their walk, they're not listening to music. They're just listening to the sounds. Um, they're not even focusing on their dog. They're just listening to the sounds and walking by and being very present as present as I can, obviously, because no one can, not everyone can do this, but as present as I can with things, if they're spending just five minutes of their day at some stage in their day where they're just being in some form of stillness, internal stillness, um, they're yeah. practicing it. Cause obviously it doesn't just come. It doesn't happen. But with practice, Everyone has this capability, everyone, literally, um, no matter how detrimental or chaotic or how much of an ADHD brain they might have, literally everyone can achieve after practice. And I literally, big capital P, practice, okay, because people try it once and like, oh, it's not for me. Okay, uh, so that's literally the most baloney that thing that's I've ever heard. But anyway, um, the, um, yeah, practicing stillness at least five minutes a day um, is definitely a big baseline one um some people like the app like headspace or calm like listen like i believe um who's that guy from one direction that harry styles yeah, yeah. harry styles has a freaking recording on calm okay you can literally go and listen to Does harry it? styles and, and he puts you to sleep like <laughs> no one has an excuse also, okay <laughs> yeah. yeah so um i mean like i'm not a fan of harry styles myself but yeah i know many um people might um, fangirl fanboy um but anyway um there's you know karma is a lot of recordings like that actually we can listen to famous people um and you can do like a yoga nidra style so yoga nidra is literally means yoga sleep which is like lying down yoga lying down meditation basically so literally if you just spend five minutes a day practicing some form of stillness um the consequence of this positive consequence is that even though initially you're going to be like holy shit i didn't realize my mind was this busy I don't want to do this because I don't want to be with my busy mind. I'm much happier without it. So people avoid it. But the problem is, is this is the thing about um, like the theme positivity that gets sort of put on Instagram. This is like the Instagram sort of highlighted version of positivity that I'm a big fan of. Um, Like there's optimism, which is great, but that's an organic creation, right? It's not something that I'm only focusing on the positive side of life. I never look at the negative side of life. Yeah. The problem with this is that, Um, you know, I can focus on one side of life and ignore the other. The problem is the other side of life will not ignore me. So even if I want to ignore the negative side of life, that, that side of life is not going to ignore me. It's going to kick my ass at some stage. It's going to come up to the surface. I'm going to be triggered and I don't know why I'm triggered. That's the consequence of avoiding the mind because I'm not, I don't know what's going on in the mind. Right. So ultimately most people walk into a dark room see a snake in the corner, uh, snake in the corner. And then they shut the door because they're like, I never want to go in that room again. So they never do. And, you know, um, then one day uh, they're not paying attention and they accidentally walk into the room and they freak out and they get triggered and they slam the door shut again. Right. So yeah, ultimately most people are living their life that way. When in reality, if they actually take, took a moment and remain calm, they turn on the lights. They just realize it was a coil of rope in the corner. <laughs> like, that's what all, that's all people need yeah. to learn how to do is to pause, take a moment to turn on the lights and recognize that actually after some time, right? They recognize that the mind isn't so, so much of a monster. It's actually not so scary. 
after mm. time, right? But it takes, it takes a little bit of time. So after practicing some form of stillness um, each day for five minutes a day, eventually they might come to 10 minutes, eventually it might come to 15 minutes. Yeah. Heck, even if you're just doing one minute a day to start with, right? For those that you know, struggle with ADHD, that's a big thing. Um, mm. Over time, you can transition into more stillness throughout the day, um, throughout your life, and eventually you start to recognize that this mind isn't so scary after all, and we stop reacting so much to it. So those are the baselines. Yeah. Wow. Oh, that, oh my gosh, that was so good. Which actually Thank perfect you. segue, perfect segue into, because I'm this is going to be my final question, because honestly, I could just talk to you all day easily. Um, the question I was going to ask you, because a lot of people who listen to this are entrepreneurs that, you know, mm. visionaries, they've got big goals, they're going after them. And it's that space of like jumping into the unknown. I've got Frozen playing in my head now. Oh my gosh, that's going to be there all day. But um, into the unknown, you know, that song. Anyway, um, but you know, like when you jump into the unknown and mm. all of a sudden your whole body, it's there, it's turning the light on and you see the, the snake and you're like, oh my God, it's a mm. snake, shut the door. How can we best support ourselves to like, how do I even want to articulate this? You know, like when we get into that, panic mode how can we best mm. remain calm and what are the best things that we can do because i know i also watched a tiktok of yours the other day which was so beautiful around fear and you were talking about leaning in mm. and and i was like that's so awesome because i think a lot of the time we think that fear means that we're not good enough or we've made a mistake mm. or something like that when actually it's the exact opposite and there's a lot of like there's a conversation i'm having all the time with people is like Actually, you're so courageous that you've gone out of your comfort zone. Most people don't do that. And you've stayed there. Like, that's amazing. That's how you get the next level, right? The results. But how do we, how do we calm ourselves? How do we support ourselves when we turn the light on and we think there's a snake in the corner? Mm. So essentially asking for like some self-serving tactics. Yeah. yeah. Cool. What's, your, cool. what's your mental process when you're, when you're leveling up? And you're in a new, you know, and your mind is just like, ah, oh, like get out, get out, get out. What is your personal process for like calming yourself? I see. Right. Like my process now will be different to what I recommend. Um, the reason why is because now okay. I don't need sort of self-soothing tactics per se. Um, it's yes. just because it's like I've practiced them for so long, right? Um, and this has been over many years. This totally. is, I didn't just randomly wake up one day and, you know, end up being calm. <laughs> I spent so many years practicing this, right? Um, so a lot yeah. of work goes into this. But what I do now personally is actually, I'm like, oh, my mind's going crazy. Oh, I'm feeling anxious. That's interesting. Right. Like I'm, I'm literally like that. Like I'm just yeah. in a state of um, complete awareness as to what's going on. And then I'm like, okay, I'm not going to react to this. I'm going to choose this instead. Right. Like that's literally my yeah. process now. It's so different to what I recommend. What I recommend for most people yeah. is actually using the breath, something that's actually quite physically um, yeah. tapping into um, our calming system, our parasympathetic nervous system um, through what's called the phrenic nerve. So um, you, if you have mm. ever listened to many um, podcasts around, uh, health and um, science and all that sort of thing um, in terms of personal development um, many people will hear about the vagus nerve now the vagus nerve is a very long um, 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 it's a very slow stimulating um, nerve ending so what actually happens is the vagus nerve takes me, um, quite a long time like 30 minutes an hour um, sometimes even longer to actually stimulate the parasympathetic nervous system when it's stimulated. So we get this through food. So when you um, digest a lot of food or even when we breathe deeply into the gut and we help relax the system, what 
is mm. stimulated yes as a vagus nerve but this takes quite a long time to calm us what comes us much quicker and which comes us through the breath is called the phrenic nerve so the phrenic nerve um, that runs and connects into the parasympathetic system or sorry instructs the brain to calm the system um, helps us to feel more calm and safe and the reason why um, we've got these sort of safety systems and which is called the parasympathetic nervous system and then we've got this like fight or flight system which is like that feeling of um, you know resistance reaction um, and the reason why we've got that system is because we need to go out and hunt we need to protect ourselves we need to survive right i mean the brain is more programmed for survival than it is for happiness um, i mean if a pessimist and an optimist walked into the woods two thousand years ago uh, they heard a crack in the woods, the pessimist would run thinking it's the tiger. The optimist would be like, oh, it's a bunny rabbit. I want dinner, right? So the optimist will say, great, nine out of 10 times, the optimist gets his dinner. Uh, one out of 10 times, it's a tiger yeah. and the optimist dies. So yeah. ultimately we're passed <laughs> down in, in a chain of pessimistic minds. And this isn't a bad thing per se, it's just because what's happened over um, over time and evolution and um, the transformation and civilization and um, society, what's happened is we're, uh, have, we have more comforts and conveniences than there ever have been ever. Um, and to the point where we no longer need to worry about the tiger when we go into the park. We no, we no longer need to worry about every second like is someone going to raid my home um it, there are parts in the world where this does happen yes but the majority of people on earth don't need to worry about this anymore and what's happening is the brain is still in that state therefore it's still in a very hyper reactive state right yeah. and because we're in a hyper reactive state now it's we're reacting to our thoughts things we can't escape from we're reacting to our boss we're reacting to our partner things we can't run away from like we're used to so we turn the other mm -hmm. way and we fight right or we do yeah. actually attempt to run away and we just don't go to work, right? We attempt yeah. to run away and we just leave the relationship because we can't do it, right? So yeah. th there's a fight or flight state or even the third is a freeze, which is another factor. So when we're in our fight or flight system, we fight, flight or freeze. The only way to transition into a way, so I'll explain this first and I'll give some self-soothing tactics, but the only way to really transition this into a way where the mind, the brain learns to uh, not fight, freeze, or flight within a certain situation. I'll give an example because this is what happened in my past is when a, a past partner would, um, my partner at the time rather, would speak to a guy, I'd instantly feel anxious because my mind would go to, well, I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough, I'm not mm -hmm. deserving of her love, therefore she's going to see so much more in this guy than me, she's going to leave me, and she's going to um, fall in love with this guy, not me, right? So that would, that's where my mind would go constantly, and this happened for many years, and um, in order for me to shift that, I had to learn to not react, but to learn to lean in, and what this means is um, in a way where I'm no longer stimulating my fight or flight system. I'm learning to calm myself, which is where the self-soothing tactics come in within this, this experience and being very real with the fact that it's happening. So I'm not avoiding it. I'm not pretending in my mind, no, this won't happen. This won't happen. Right. I'm not trying to fight my thoughts. Right. Yeah. If you try to fight your thoughts, try fighting the thought of a purple monkey dancing on an elephant. Go. <laughs> <laughs> Mine's full of monkeys and elephants. Right. So Ultimately, yeah. the more we try to, like, if I told you right now to not think of your favorite food, like, <laughs> you know, you try to think outside of, you try to fight your mind when your mind has over 6,000 thoughts a day. Some studies have shown up to 80,000 thoughts a day, which is just insane. Yeah. You, you can't fight your mind. What you need to learn how to do is to step outside of it. So instead yeah. of trying to fight your mind to avoid 
what it is that your mind is fearing. It's instead coming to the place where we're learning how to be real with what the mind is fearing and learning how to change our relationship with it. And one way um, to start this journey is through self-soothing, right? And over time, eventually we get to a point where, you know, as I shared earlier, where you can actually be very conscious, like, oh, there's that scary thought that used to be, that used to be ruling my life. Or there's that, um, there's that feeling again, that's interesting. Or, oh, wow, I'm still reacting to this. That's fascinating, right? So we get to this place of curiosity eventually, but of course it takes time. So a very easy self-soothing tactic that people can, use more often and i'd love to invite everyone on this podcast to do it with me it's actually taking a breath oh breath (laughs) what do you mean karen (laughs) i I take breaths every day (sighs) what do you mean (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. but no i actually mean taking an exaggerated breath and by taking an exaggerated breath what we actually do because we're utilizing the only skeletal muscle in the system that is both automated and we can control consciously as a diaphragm when we interfere with um when we actually utilize the diaphragm and interfere with the mind's autonomic um automatic i always get the two words mixed up autonomous and automatic um the automatic um system of the um of the mind when the mind's operating automatically subconsciously unconsciously um it's very easy to continue to fall down that um, hole and what happens is we consciously fight with our subconscious and unconscious and we just mm. lead to more anxiety and more frustration and more self-sabotage. So instead of fighting with it, we want to interfere with it. We want to step away from it. Yeah. So what most people do is they're on the side of the highway and they want to stop the cars. So they jump in front of them. That's what they're doing with their thoughts and their emotions. When instead yeah. you can actually just step away from the highway. You can eventually, you know, get so far back that you're walking up the hill and you're looking down at the highway, noticing all the little cars in the, in the distance. It's not so overwhelming. It's like, oh, there's that little car that I thought was really big. There's a truck that I thought was really big. Now it's just a little ant, right? It's the same with the thoughts and the emotions. It's like, oh, there's that old thought. There's that old emotion, right? So we get to that place after some time. And that's what we're yeah. learning to do with these um, self-soothing tactics to step away from the mind. So if everyone on this podcast, no matter what you're doing, even if you're driving, um, you don't need to close your eyes, nothing. Just keep your <laughs> eyes open. Keep doing what you're doing and take a deep breath. And then pause and then observe. And then notice what you notice, whatever that is. And then take another deep breath. Pause. And then one more. And just be here. Maybe you're looking at a plant, a wall, your laptop, your phone, something you're driving past. That's literally it. Taking a moment to pause and just take a breath. That, that's literally the best tactic that um, that people can u- literally utilize um, because it's easeful. It takes a few seconds of their day because um, yeah. people get resistant to anything that takes too long. Um, it, yeah, um, it, it, it's literally the quickest way for people to step outside of the chaos of their mind. And what happens is now I've now got a greater conscious capability 
to step back into the mind and actually look at it from a different perspective and angle. Now I, yeah. now I can actually approach it differently. Right. But what I encourage people to notice is that, do they feel calmer? Do they feel more space? Do they feel more present when they do that? It's so great. Use it. Right. And yeah. after, if you, if you do it a few more times and you're not noticing anything, then fantastic. We can find a new tactic. Right. But what I encourage people to do is just to try that, you know, two, three times a day it takes you a few seconds. And if you're literally doing it two, three times a day, you'll be much less triggered when things do arise. Now to conclude and wrap this up. Okay. Well, what if I am triggered? What do I do then? Okay. Now there's two types of breaths people can um, use and then I'll share one more technique, which are very, very simple to share. The first is um, an, a heightened breath. So heightened breath, you're actually um, uh, doing the breath that would normally happen in anxiety. So normally with anxiety, it's like, <laughs> like the shallow, high end um, chest, um, short and sharp breath, right? Now, what I encourage people to do is to actually take a deep breath, but into the lower belly. So it'll be like, and you don't need to do this in public. Do this away from people because you look like a weirdo. Um, you can, t I, honestly, I do this in public so because I'm at that place, but you know, most people aren't and that's okay. Um, but you can yeah. even do it just more intensely through the nose and that might be easier for some people. So it might be like, So what this does is it actually pumps epinephrine, so adrenaline, and norepinephrine. So, um, uh, sorry, and sorry, epinephrine and adrenaline. So epinephrine is that of the adrenaline in the brain, and adrenaline is adrenaline in the body. So we get a lot more epinephrine and adrenaline in the system. And what this does is we feel more empowered. We feel more present, and yeah. in doing so, we can tap out of the mind as well. So that's a great way to intensely get out of the mind if you're suddenly in shock. Okay, is to take some quite aggressive deep breaths like that. Um, just a few, um, however yeah. many feels good. Uh, the second is to, um, if it's just a, a mild stimulation, and especially if you're in public, uh, a double inhale through the nose and a longer exhale through the mouth. So again, if people can listen and can just follow me. And one more. Just doing three and even ideally more so towards the end of five or six of those breaths, instantly they'll notice, oh, I feel a little lightheaded. I feel a little more calmer. Why? Because what happens is um, you've got sacs in your lungs that, um, that take in carbon dioxide from the bloodstream and you exhale the carbon dioxide when you breathe out. Now those sacs in the lungs open up and absorb more carbon dioxide through the blood when you take a second inhale in. Okay, that means we're exhaling more carbon dioxide on the exhale um, and increasing levels of oxygen to carbon dioxide in the system, which ultimately actually decreases and um, destimulates the nervous system. Um, so we become a lot more relaxed. Um, people do this when they cry, like <laughs> people do this when yeah. they yawn, like <sighs> when they're running, like <laughs> yeah. Um, or when they're, um, I've heard from some people when I've shared this, when they smoke, um, it's like, you know, <sighs> Um, so yeah, people use this in many ways. So, um, the, your dog uses them when they're about to take a nap. Like literally, um, <laughs> it's a very um, yeah primitive thing that we do already. But if we can tap into it um, consciously, then we can actually utilize it to our advantage as well. And then yeah. the final thing that people can just use easily is PMR, progressive muscle relaxation, which is tensing the muscles in the body as tightly as they can for 15 seconds, and then yeah. fully letting go with an exhale, like. 
and just relaxing yeah. the entire body. There's a drop in cortisol. Um, some studies have shown about 40%, which is insane, um, a drop in our stress hormone um, as well. So um, mm. if you are in public, just clench your fist, clench your belly, clench your feet, whatever feels good. You don't need to clench your whole body and you can use mm. the PMR technique as well. So these are all just simple self-soothing techniques that people can use. And then, of course, you've got a way to interfere with the mind more consistently throughout the day. So there's less of a buildup and um, uh, less layers added until the point where eventually you snap and you get triggered, right? So it's about addressing it earlier on, which is why the breath is important um, to use throughout the day. So yeah, yeah. answer. Amazing. Um, and I think that's such a cool thing to, to note that as time goes on, you get better. It is like, an, like a muscle, mm. right? That, mm. that now, and I'm the same now where, like that, my default thought is, oh, I'm uncomfortable. Cool, I'm out of my comfort zone. Um, like, yes, like I celebrate it because it means I'm I'm on my way to my next level. But also mm. I think, and this is like the spiritual aspect, I guess, is when we realize that we're not our thoughts. Mm. And I think that's the life-changing thing. When you realize that I feel like this, but it's not who I am. It's like, mm. whoa, the whole world opens up, right? Crazy. Totally. But, oh totally. my gosh, this is so amazing. I cannot wait to listen back to it and like absorb it all thank you so so much for your time i so appreciate it It was phenomenal thank you for having me i really appreciate it too yeah it's been a pleasure oh so yeah honestly i'm just let my brain calm down i've got lots of notes to go over um but yeah i'd love i would absolutely love to have you come back at some point this is going to help people so much so so much i'm sure i'll get a lot of comments that i will flip your way (laughs) thank you i appreciate that yeah yeah i'm very excited to see it pop up and share it myself yeah, awesome. Cool. Well, have a great rest of your day. Oh, thank you. You too, Monica. Yeah. I will see you soon. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. All right. Okay. Bye. Yeah, take care. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening, guys. I hope you enjoyed it. I would love to hear your aha moments. Please share on your stories and tag me so I can celebrate with you. And be sure to connect with me online. I'm on Instagram at mon3.0 and find me on YouTube by searching Monica Ferguson. Have an amazing week and remember that you are so inherently worthy. You are so loved and you belong. All my love, guys. See you soon.